I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 8. Exodus chapter 20, and we'll begin at verse 8. But will you pray with me? God, we are so grateful for your love and for your grace and for this privilege of studying your holy word together. And God, as I now stand before these, your people, this, your church, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Ten Commandments. We're familiar with them. Exodus chapter 20 lists out the Ten Commandments. We post them. We teach them in Sunday school. We want to follow them. We want to be obedient to the Ten Commandments, except maybe one. One we struggle with just a little bit. It's the hard one for many of us to keep. As a matter of fact, sometimes we almost brag a little bit that we don't keep this one very well. It's the fourth one. Scholars often state that the fourth commandment gets more ink in Exodus and Deuteronomy than any of the other commandments, and yet it's the one we struggle with. Maybe that's why it gets more ink. God knew we would need a little more clarity on this one. We would need a little more coaching on this one. We'd need a little more help with this one. Walter Brueggemann, a brilliant Old Testament scholar from Columbia Theological Seminary in uh, Decatur, Georgia, he says that the fourth commandment is one of the most difficult commandments in our society. And it's also the one that sometimes we clergy are hesitant to preach because we know we're better preaching it than we are practicing it. Matter of fact, this is one of those sermons where I can't look over at my wife because I know she's probably rolling her eyes at times when I talk about this commandment. So I'll go ahead and confess to you, this will be one of those do as I say, not as I do sermons. The fourth commandment, Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. It seems like a, a pretty easy commandment to talk about. It doesn't seem to have quite the moral features that the other commandments have to it, but it is a tough one. Matthew Sleeth is a medical doctor, emergency room doctor, uh, who was also the chief of staff of the hospital where he was working, but he left medicine to begin teaching and preaching and writing and sharing. And he reminds us in his book, 24 6, that this scripture says, Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It's the only commandment, he says, that begins with the word remember. Almost as if God knew we would forget. Well, guess what, he asks. We did. Remember the Sabbath. 
That Hebrew word is the word Shabbat. And it, and it means intermission. It means stop. It, it means to cease and to desist. And when I read that, I think about, you know, the times that, that you hear about cease and desist letters when you get this note that says you're doing something that you need to stop, cease and desist. And to some degree, Sabbath is God's weekly cease and desist. Stop. Take some time. Rest. God even sets the example for that. God himself took Sabbath. And if we're the people of God, perhaps then following the example of God would be for us to take Sabbath. But go back to the beginning of the scripture in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, made it holy, because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. I mean, God creates this beautiful world, but then God pauses to experience it. Pauses to enjoy it. God created us to be in relationship and took time for the relationship. I find it interesting when I said we sometimes brag a little bit about breaking the fourth commandment. What I mean by that is how many of us talk about we're workaholics. We have a hard time stopping. We are so driven. Our task list is so strong. And I am one of those type A long to-do list kind of people. I get it. It is so hard not to pick this thing up and it dings and it means somebody needs me. There's something I can do. And that actually, as frustrating as it may be to us, also satisfies us a little bit. But when you read the scripture, God is not a workaholic. Catch that. God is not a workaholic. And if God is not a workaholic, then why do we boast that we are. How do we learn to have Shabbat, an intermission, to stop, to pause, to cease and desist from all the things that we're doing? Not that they're wrong things, they're good things. It's just sometimes we need to stop. And God hallowed it. He made it holy to stop. Did you catch that? God makes it holy to stop. And then God commands it to the people. In Leviticus 23, verse 3, for example, God says, Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of complete rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord throughout your settlements. I mean... It's to be a day of complete rest, to stop. Now, I sometimes have a tendency not to stop, but just to change activity. I'm not doing this activity anymore. I've now shifted it to all those activities, but I'm just as exhausted at the end of the day. God called it a day of complete rest. And 
a holy convocation, which means a sacred gathering. I want to walk you through some scriptures. Exodus 31, beginning at verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, You yourself are to speak to the Israelites. You shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, given in order that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. I mean, do you hear that? This is a sign between me and you, God says. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. God seems to take it pretty seriously. Whoever does any work on it shall be cut off from among the people. Six days shall work be done. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the Israelites shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days... The Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. Did you catch that? God rested, and God was refreshed. Eugene Peterson, who paraphrases the scripture in the message, quotes verse 17 this way. Yes, because in six days God made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, he stopped and took a long, deep breath. Then you keep going in Exodus, or rather Ezekiel, chapter 20, beginning of verse 10. Scripture says, So I led them out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. I gave them my statutes and showed them my ordinances, by whose observance everyone shall live. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths. Isn't that an interesting way that God puts that? Moreover, moreover, I gave them the statutes, but moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths. Sabbaths is a gift from God. He said, as a sign between me and them, so that they may know that I, the Lord, sanctify them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not observe my statutes, but rejected my ordinances by whose observance everyone shall live. And my Sabbaths, they greatly profaned. And Isaiah 58, 13. If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, again, listen to the language God uses. If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable. If you honor it, not going your own way, serving your own entrance or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take the light in the Lord. And again, Eugene Peterson paraphrases that last line saying, then you shall be free to enjoy God. It's not to be meant as a, this is something else you have to do. It's another thou shalt not. It's actually a gift. I've given you my Sabbath and you can enjoy God. 
Jesus even set the example in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, as he begins his ministry. The scripture says, when he came to Nazareth, where he was brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. Again, if God observes Sabbath, God then takes on human form and lives among us, puts on clothes, moved into the neighborhood, dwells among us, and God still in human form, Jesus the Christ, goes into the synagogue to worship and rest on the Sabbath as was his custom. Perhaps it is something we need to think about. Now, the danger is, is getting too legalistic with it. You see that throughout the scripture, too. For example, in Mark chapter 2, you have Jesus and the disciples who are going through a field, and the disciples reach over and pluck some grain. And the next thing you know, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, those who dot the I's, cross the T's, are going, your disciples are plucking grain. You're not to harvest grain. That's plucking grain. That's working. That's reaping. And Jesus says in Mark 2, 27, the Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. But I want you to hear that. Throughout the Scripture, the Scriptures we've read, God has been offering us Sabbath as a gift. This is, here's a gift for you that you can delight in God, that you can rest and, and that you can be refreshed. It's, it's a treasure that God is offering you and Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for humankind. I mean, this is a gift for you, not humankind for the Sabbath. So you'll see, Jesus will see someone who's hurting and have compassion. He heals them time and time again on the Sabbath. Now, I believe that Sabbath has never been more critical than it is today. I mean, we are so busy today. And we, we are so busy making a living that often we don't even have a life. I, mean, I, re I remember working at, at a time with a family who was sharing me all the things that they had done around their home, all the projects that they had to develop this beautiful backyard and, and, and all the, the, the plants and the shrubs and all the decking and all that they had done around their backyard. But then I go, how often do you guys as a family enjoy it? Well, we haven't really done that yet. We're so busy doing something that sometimes we forget to be. And when I'm working with families in marriage crisis, you'll often find out communication is considered to be the number one marital problem. And why do we take the time? We're so busy. When do we share in relationship? And anxiety, it's everywhere in our world today. Even our children and our youth are so anxious. Uh, it's not only the college kids that are anxious, but the high school kids are now anxious. And now the middle school kids are anxious. And now we're even finding elementary kids are so anxious. We are so busy. Everything is so structured. Finish your school. Go here. Go there. Do this. Do that. That even our kids are so filled with anxiety we need Sabbath. And all of this interferes with Sabbath, and Sabbath is the one thing that could speak in oftentimes times 
to our anxiety and our technology. It's, it's a gift. I, I love that we can see things, do things, but technology, we used to go to work. Now our work is always with us. There's not that moment, it seems, where I was at work, now I'm home. I was on the job, now I'm disengaged with family. And even it's my Sabbath. I'm taking Sabbath. There, there's a push for productivity. One of the things I say sometimes that just really aggravates my wife is when I'm really tired and I've been so busy running night and day and, you know, you just get to that point where you just don't want to do anything and, and I'll take, you know, one of those days where I just don't seem to get so much done and, and I will say, you know, I just feel like I haven't been very productive today and, and she'll look at me and go, and what is wrong with that? On occasion, do we not get to rest? Isn't that a God thing that at times we pause and rest? Marva Dawn, who's a theologian, uh, shared these words. She said, Sabbath ceasing means to cease not only from work itself, but also from the need to accomplish and be productive from the worry and tension that accompany our modern criterion of efficiency, from our efforts to be in control of our lives as if we were God, from our possessiveness and enculturation, and finally, from the humdrum and meaninglessness that result when life is pursued without the Lord at the center of it all. Matthew Sleeth again in 24.6 reminds us that Sabbath is a time to, to transition from human doings to human beings. I like that. Hear that. Sabbath is a time to transition from human doings to human beings. He argues, 24-6, we go hard. But one day, there should be a Sabbath, to find a Sabbath. Sabbath time is time with God. It's a time for our physical bodies to rest and recover, which then makes us more productive on the other six days. But being productive is not necessarily the goal of Sabbath. It's a time of rest and relationship to be in worship with God. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, also wrote other things, and he says... Sabbath is that uncluttered time and space in which we can distance ourselves from our own activities enough to see what God is doing. When we distance ourselves enough from our own activities to see what God is doing. Matthew Sleeth again in 24.6 said, Rest shows us who God is. He has restraint. Restraint is refraining from doing everything that one has the power to do. We must never mistake God's restraint for weakness. The opposite is true. God shows restraint, therefore restraint is holy. That's why God says Sabbath is a holy time, a sacred time. 
Walter Brueggemann, again, that Old Testament scholar, says that Sabbath is not simply the pause that refreshes, it's the pause that transforms. People who keep Sabbath, he goes on to say, live all seven days differently. Well, how do we do it? Sabbath is a spiritual discipline. It just doesn't happen on its own. You have to be intentional. As a matter of fact, on my calendar, I now have family time. I've shared with our congregation the story before when I was at my previous church at Mooresville. We were building the big, beautiful new sanctuary, education space, all those things, and life just got so busy. And one day, the phone on my desk rang. Not my cell phone, my office phone rang, and I picked it up, and it was my wife. She has my cell number. It was a point. She called the office phone and asked, Do I need to call your assistant to get on your calendar? Got it. If you look at my calendar today, you will see in green times that are broken out that says family time. And if someone says, can I do it on, can we meet on this day or, or that time? I'll go, I can't. I have a prior commitment. Family is my prior commitment. So there are times we sat down as a family then when our children were younger and tried to figure out, well, this one has this practice or this Bible study and youth group and this. Here's a night when the family could be together. We made it sacred. And the same with Sabbath for our spiritual lives with God. It's not just going to happen. You're going to have to be intentional. It's called a spiritual discipline. It'll take some effort. And it's not going to be easy because Sabbath is countercultural. But the church is called to be countercultural. Albert Schweitzer theologian, musician, Nobel Prize winner, says, Do not let Sunday be taken from you. If your soul has no Sunday, it becomes an orphan. If your soul has no Sunday, it becomes an orphan. Well, my wife and I are still having this conversation. It's why I share with you this is a uh, not a do-as-I-do, but a do-as-I-say sermon, because I'm wrestling with it too. But we are wrestling, and we're talking about it. We're trying to look because, well, I'll just confess to you, Sunday is not my Sabbath. I mean, when you get up really early in the morning, 4.30 or so, and on a Sunday morning to make sure your mind is ready, your spirit's ready, and, and, and you're focused to go in to lead four different worship services on, on a Sunday morning to preach four times with all the other things that are going on, I don't come home often at the end of a Sunday and go, I feel so refreshed, often exhausted. So I have to find, when is my Sabbath? When will I take Sabbath time? But the challenging thing is I'm a project person. I love to get into something, and therefore, on my day off, I'm still working till 10 o'clock. It's different work. And then whatever chance I get, I'm working, building something, making something, mowing the yard, blowing the yard, weed eating, doing whatever it is that I love to do, but I'm not refreshed. So we've been talking. Okay, we need to decide when is our Sabbath. And we have to agree even though there are things I could do around the house, things I could do in the yard, when is Sabbath? Time to rest, to be with God, to remember who we are. 
That's why Leviticus 23.3 then also says it's a holy con- convocation because we need each other as we take Sabbath. It's a spiritual discipline and we need accountability of partners around us to remind us of who we are. It's one of the beautiful things of worshiping together. Brueggemann said, I don't think that Sabbath can be practiced by isolated individuals. I think you've got to have a community around you that supports you. I mean, it is so countercultural to do this, but it's interesting. Sleeth did some math. One Sabbath day a week, 52 weeks in a year, throughout a normal lifespan, is 11 years of Sabbath. And how many of us go through life having lost 11 years of being refreshed in our relationship with God, in our relationship with our family and our friends, being refreshed in our spirit, mind, and body? No wonder this commandment has the word remember. No wonder it gets so much ink. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It won't just happen. It's a spiritual discipline. And I invite you to have conversation with God and the people you love about how you will plan to worship and how you will plan Sabbath. God needed it. Jesus needed it. And if we're honest with ourselves, we need it. And God knew it. Will you pray with me? God, help us to experience Sabbath. To take time to be holy. To take time to be still and know that you are God. To take time to rest so that we can refresh, just like you did. God, help us in our spiritual discipline of Sabbath, because our lives and our souls depend on it. In the name of Jesus, who is the Christ, amen.